This is the Horse Talk Show Podcast with Louisa Barton. Joining us now by telephone, we have Dr. Haley Sullivan. And she is going to be talking this morning about exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage in horses. Good morning, Dr. Sullivan. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, we're going to talk about something that we're going to call EIPH from now on because it's much shorter. <laughs> it's seen in most racehorses and many other horses that are used in equine sports, barrel racing, polo, uh, three-day eventing. It's uh, any horse really that requires any kind of strenuous exercise for a short period of time uh, may see these the symptoms of um, EIPH. So I'm gonna let Dr. Sullivan explain what that is. Thank you, and thanks for having me. So like you said, EIPH is exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage. It says in the name, pulmonary hemorrhage is the problem, which is lung bleeding. And you may have heard of this in the past because horses that have the condition are all bleeders. Yes, it's very commonly known as, as being yeah. a bleeder, right. yes. Yeah. And you, you hit it right on the head. The horses that typically are affected are those that are at a high speed, like three-day event horses, race horses, barrel racing horses, but any horse affected. The reason it's such a big deal is that it costs the thoroughbred industry $100 million a year to diagnose wow. and treat it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Unbelievable. That's a huge investment. Yeah. So it's, it's obviously very common, um, especially in the racehorse world. Um, what actually happens and how can you tell if a horse is a bleeder? So to understand what happens, you really have to first talk about what the lungs do and talk a little bit about physiology. But as the horse breathes, air going through the nostrils, then the nasal passages, up to the throat, and then through the trachea, then it goes to what we call bronchi, which are the airways in the lungs. And it finally reaches what we call alveoli, which are air sacs for the lungs to exchange gas with the blood. And those alveoli look like grapes. They're come in bunches. And each grape is wrapped in blood vessels called capillaries. And those are where the oxygen and carbon dioxide are exchanged for respiration. So when those capillaries leak is when you have bleeding into the airway, which is what EIPH is. Now, how do you um, do you do radiographs to to diagnose this? Well, I guess first we should say why we think it happens. We don't really know, but it's suspect it's from increased blood pressure and exercise. Mm -hmm. You have the heart rate skyrocketing when horses are in intense exercise, and then you have the spleen contracting, which pushes out tons of extra blood cells into the vessels. Mm -hmm. And then you have thick blood. And this is all wrapping around that tiny alveoli and the membrane that is right there where it's exchanging gas. It's super thin. It's 100 one one hundredth of a human hair. And so if I pressure in those vessels, it's really easy to split that membrane and get bleeding in there. Wow, wow. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, and so usually when you think of a bleeder, you think of nasal bleeding or what we call epistaxis, as you see a horse coming off the track or off the cross country course and they have a nosebleed. But that's pretty scary because that's only 5% of IPH actually get a nosebleed. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that is a lot. So by the time you're seeing blood coming out of the nose, it's gone from those alveoli up the whole airway to the trachea, through the throat, and all the way down to the nostrils. So you can imagine how much blood there has to be to travel that much distance in the horse. Yeah, no kidding. That's a long right. way, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, I think it's really scary. The ones we worry about are the ones that bleed, and that's only 5% of the horses affected by this disease. Right. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of unseen, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, uh, most unseen cases where you don't necessarily even know that the internal bleeding's going on, right? Yeah, and um, since only 5% bleed, the 95% of the horses that are struggling or have this are not going to tell you unless they're not performing well or they have exercise intolerance or maybe coughing, but a lot of them get missed. I was going to say, that must be a yeah. large So then, then after that, your um, availability to figure it out is through, is it through doing an endoscope or? Yeah, exactly. The endoscopic exam is to the airways looking for blood. Because there's other causes of nasal bleeding or poor performance, obviously, in horses. And so you do the endoscopic exam and try to find that blood trail after exercising, usually about an hour after the horses run. Mm -hmm. And you're following the blood trail and trying to find where it's coming from. And if you've established it's coming from the lungs, then um, you can grade it and establish how severe it is. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned why horses, why horses bleed. Do we have any idea what the percentage is of, of horses, especially in the racehorse world, that do bleed? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of studies on it, and um, they all come up with different numbers, but the consensus is 80% of racehorses are probably affected with the yeah. disease. And there's one study that even put horses on treadmills at an incline, and they, they proved that they could make every, every horse bleed depending on how hard they push them. Really? Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow, it's really a higher percentage than I even imagined. Now, what about treatment, uh, Dr. Sullivan? Well, treatment is really about prevention with this disease, and there's only two proven ways of treating or preventing the disease. Um, one is the drug called Lasix, which you may have heard of before. Yes. That's the, actually the drug is called furosemide, and that's a diuretic which is a drug that goes to the kidney and increases urine production. And we think that it works because by increasing urine production, it's decreasing water from the blood. So that's going to decrease the blood volume and therefore the amount of pressure in the vessels. Um, and so basically what Lasix is doing is dehydrating the horse. And they show, they've shown that horses can drop about 20 pounds before they run on Lasix um, if they're withheld from water and food, which they usually are when they get the drug. So that's the um, pharmaceutical way of preventing. And then there's also an, another method called flare nasal strips. Mm -hmm. 
Have you seen the yeah, strips yeah, of horses' yeah, noses? Yeah, yeah, very familiar. <laughs> I've seen a lot of horses with those on, yeah. Yeah. So, so for those, those who haven't heard that they apply. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. The flare. Yeah, they look like breathe right strips for humans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> How effective are they? So at a low level, like low intense work, Lasix is actually more effective at decreasing EIPH, but at high intense work, Lasix and Flare have proven to decrease bleeding by 55%. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You basically have two ways of attacking the problem. And then Fred's work on the opposite side of that little membrane we were talking about. Lasix is going to decrease the pressure in the vessels, but then flare strips are going to increase the pressure on the opposite of that little membrane. Because what happens, we think, is that there's such a big pressure difference between the inside of the lung and the capillaries, and pressure always wants to equalize, so it's going to the vessel's going to break and equalize that pressure. And so if we can keep the pressure higher in the lung using flare strip, then hopefully or we think that's how the bleeding is decreased. So, so if you do have a horse that has been a bleeder and he needs treatment, what's the protocol for that? So once the horse bled and you have the treatment depends on how severe it is, but rest or time off is usually indicated. And then there, depending on how much inflammation is in the lungs, you can actually get secondary infections. So they may need antibiotics mm -hmm. and anti-inflammatories. Um, and keeping a dust-free environment is good since we know that like small particles and hay dust are irritating to the lungs also. Yeah, overall respiratory right. health management's got to right. be a, a key important uh, to help the inflammation, of course. So like a dust-free barn, yeah. well-ventilated barn, um, low dust bedding materials, I'm sure help, um, and feeding high quality feed and hay uh, and not dusty hay, you know, good, right. uh, really good quality to minimize inhaling dust and mold and all that kind of thing has to help. And then yeah. any lung hygiene is obviously is gonna, is gonna help this situation. So overall good feeding, good bedding, and a well-ventilated barn has to help. Now, as far as like some places you, the racetracks, um, some places in the world, you aren't allowed to use uh, Lasix. Is the flare strip a, a good replacement or, or, or doesn't do everything that the, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing it can't do everything the Lasix can, but does it work? Do people um, replace the Lasix with that if they can't use it? Well, the research that out there says that it works and that it works just as well as Lasix. Oh, really? And like you said, some places in the world don't allow Lasix. Right. Um, and some places in the world also don't allow strips because they consider them performance enhancing, just like Lasix. Really? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Enhanced oxygen is a good one. <laughs> yeah, I brought that. It is. No, yeah. I mean, I've got some articles from vets on that, too, so that's yeah. good. Yeah. Too, that there's options. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, that makes sense. But yeah, if you can't use either and you yeah. have a horse that is always a bleeder, yeah. then I guess that's a place you don't race. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that would eliminate all your options, right? Yeah. Anything further, Dr. Sullivan, that you want to add to that? Um, yeah, I guess as far as like people at home with horses that are competing at a high level or just in intense work, it's, since it's happening in most horses, we've the research shows it's good to think about how hard you push your horse before you're going to a competition. 
you shouldn't really be doing your interval training or hard jump schooling right before you go to a show because the statistics show that your horse is probably bleeding inside. And that's probably, I would, we assume is going to affect the way that the horse performs in the next. So that's something to think about as you're preparing for any type of competition. Yeah. yeah, good point. And actually, I just read a comment here from somebody that said, a lot of trainers use complete feeds that include the roughage to minimize the risk of inhaling dust and molds from hay. So yeah, that's cool. an interesting comment, So which can worsen the airway inflammation. And, oh, here we go, and giving the horse as much turnout time also improves lung hygiene. So that makes oh, cool. sense outside yeah. and get fresh air. So a couple of good tips from listeners. Uh, Dr. Haley Sullivan, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Very informative, and um, certainly I've learned some, some yeah. things this morning. I had no idea the percentage of horses that had that was so high, but uh, certainly a lot to think about, and, uh, and definitely always, uh, as you mentioned, don't overdo the work right. uh, with the horse like the day before. Right. <laughs> don't rush the training one day before. Yes, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Sullivan. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for being on the Horse Talk Show with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, guys. This is Louisa Barton. I really hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Horse Talk Show podcast. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and let me know what you thought. Now, please go out there and share the podcast. <laughs>